0: Welcome to the Hotspotting Real Estate Podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast that talks about all things real estate with a splash of real life topics. So tune in and let's keep it real. All right. Hello and welcome to the Hotspotting Real Estate Podcast. I'm Mike Toikin and this is episode 37. Great guest today, Justin Bird. How you doing, bud? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for making the trek. Did you guys run into traffic today?
1: No. Friday traffic, nothing.
0: Yeah. So all the way from Rancho Cucamonga, right? That's That's right. That's where your office is at. So, Justin's born and raised in Southern California, married to wife Danica, and has four children. Do you want to sound off your kids' names just a shout out?
1: Yeah, I hope I get the ages right. Uh, Ashlyn, Austin, Alexis, and Aubrey.
0: Awesome. So, all with an A.
1: All A's. All A's. We and start- what's the age range? What do we got? So, uh, almost 13, 11, 9, and 7.
0: Wow. Amazing. I mean, that's what my wife wanted, is four kids. <laughs> But she's only getting two. <laughs> How is it with four kids, man?
1: Uh, it's good. I thought I was getting two as well. But, you know, I realize I don't make those decisions. Yeah, so.
0: we never do. But my wife, uh, when we first started at it, she was like, I want four. When the second one uh, was born, she's like, I'm done. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah.
1: You know, I, I, it's not what I expected, but I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, it's so much man. fun. It's and amazing.
0: Yeah. Big families are always great. You know, and that's how it used to be, and um, I won't go into too many things about kids because it's not a fun time to talk about your kids, but um, you're the president of Bird Group, which is a design built company out of Rancho Cucamonga, so welcome. Thanks. And can you give the listeners a little bit of background on Bird Group and what you do there and your role with the company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll take you all the way back to the beginning. We like that. Uh, so it's actually a family business. So my dad uh, is an architect by trade, came out of the retail architectural world, working mostly for the big box guys, uh, and then left that into, or left on his own in '94 mm-hmm. as an architect. Uh, got his own contractor's license because he liked the the delivery method of design build. Right. Uh, so I grew up in that environment, and uh, around 2004. I came in and said, hey, I really want to build this into a construction company. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's what we've been working on for the last almost wow. 20 years next year. so. And are you running the show now? or Is your dad still involved? Or. Yeah, I've been pretty much sitting in the big seat since 2004. That's awesome. Uh, and
0: is it just you and the family who's running it? Or,
1: uh, or yeah, do you have other
0: family members that are joining you?
1: No, right now, no other family members. We'll see when the kids kids are still young, but <laughs> when they get to that point, if they want to move up, move yeah. into it or not.
0: That's awesome. So uh, give us a rundown of what you guys do exactly. So are you still doing the design build? Or are you guys primarily shifting to construction? Or are you guys still doing the design build? And then give us like, a run, like maybe a couple clients that you guys are currently working with so everybody gets a feel for what you guys do.
1: Yeah, we have a couple delivery methods, uh, and we call ourselves a general contractor and developer services. Okay. So we do the traditional general contracting, as people are familiar with. We're a paper GC, Mm -hmm. uh, where we hire out the specific trades in the specific geographic region for a particular project with those specificities. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then we also offer a a much more comprehensive project delivery method in a couple different ways. A lot of design build, uh, a lot of like kind of negotiated or just full disclosure Mm -hmm. Uh, and so a lot of times the way that would evolve I'll give you kind of a case study there is for a landlord Uh, most of our clients are landlords and developers and that we rely upon on that repeat business uh, and building those relationships Mm -hmm. we'll do the end user TIs as well Uh, it just seems like historically we've had the most success uh, in the in the repeat relationships uh, so, if a landlord has an incoming tenant, okay. uh, a lot of times, whether it's a big box or another one that we work a lot with is municipal TIs, okay. where, where the incoming tenant uh, is a great credit a tenant and they want the landlord to deliver the space turnkey. Right. Uh, and they have the, and they, so they'll usually throw a book of criteria at the landlord with a LOI uh, and depending on the sophistication of the portfolio management capability of the landlord, they may not know what to do with it. They may not have the in-house right. personnel. So they'll come to a firm like us and say, hey, we've got this great offer on the table, but number one, how much is it going to cost? Number two, can we deliver within the time frame commitments of the lease, et cetera, and help give them the, the dialogue and the feedback of information so that number one, they can navigate a transaction and understand if it's a good business decision for them or not.
0: Right. And then uh, is it primarily TI stuff that you guys are doing, or are you guys also doing ground-up stuff for shopping centers and tenants? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's so we, could, we cut our teeth on TI, okay, uh, and we've done a lot of shopping center renovations, uh, and we have done, and we're continuing to grow our ground-up. We, we call it infill ground-up, so right. small-scale, well, relatively small to the market, but single pe- Pads with single tenant or multi-tenant users some limited shop uh, you know we're not yet to the point where we're doing full neighborhood centers uh, on a new construction basis but we have done several complete renovations re-tenant repurposing right and on the design build stuff is that a preference to you like where you
0: control the design and then you're also doing the build that way you like can can you don't have like any communication issues with like let's say they have their other architect team coming
1: in and you're the GC on the on the job. Is that what you guys usually prefer to do? Yeah, absolutely. If we can do the the pre-construction and some of the conceptual planning mm-hmm. and help give some of the s- transaction steering numbers, we manage the design and we make sure that that it meets the design intent of the of the scoping documents and is always in alignment with the cost expectation of the clients and the schedule. That's another big component. Yeah. But that allows us to deliver it at at where everybody expects it to come in. And so let's talk um, about schedules. This is a, a fun topic to always
0: bring up because a lot of it is like out of your hands. Right. Um, how has it been for you guys dealing with, you know, different cities and mun- municipalities with the schedules right now? Because I'm, I'm getting a lot of feedback from people that it's been kind of a little tough uh, for the last 12 to, you know, 12 to 24 months. Things have like really taken a step back where things are taking a little extra time.
1: Well, and I guess I would say, you know, I would never say that it's out of our hands, right? We always have expectations and managing those expectations. And there's constant fluidity in the market and change and what cities used to plan check in 12 weeks now takes 16 but as long as we know that going into it Got or it. we we ex, we communicate that change and we realign people's expectations along the way right mm-hmm. so part of our process mm-hmm. is obviously when we do a deal we put together the full all the way from uh, initial lease documents what you know as you know those can take 60 90 126 right. months sometimes right yeah. just to get it To get a lease done, so been taking longer than that lately. Well, yeah, and but we plug in that time, we and then plug in. Hey, what all the things that need to happen so that as you guys were negotiating leases, that you were talking about realistic occupancy dates, and it's a real thing when people have when the lease has contingencies and outs and hard commitments. So, yeah,
0: how early on are you getting? a chance to kind of visit with either the tenant or the landlord uh like is it in the loi process where you're already in the space doing your walkthroughs kind of surveying the spaces and um have you seen any issues where landlords bring you in late and then they complain that oh you guys should have caught that later i'm sure that's happened before (laughs)
1: Yes, uh, I mean we prefer you know to get in at an LOI and then we can say hey you're going to need to increase the electrical capacity. Yep. Any time we have an opportunity to give information proactively on and and steer the expectation on costs and time, we always prefer that. The last thing when somebody goes, we've had the horror stories of hey we signed a lease. Uh, and it sat on somebody's desk, and maybe there was turnover in the company or whatever, and hey, now we're supposed to deliver this space to this national tenant in 60 or 90 days, or some sort of unrealistic right. expectation. But, okay, so how can we bring that in? Obviously, they don't even have plans yet. Wow. And we're supposed to turn over this condition, we have to get through the city, but.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Fortunately, this particular horror store, we already had a relationship with the city in mind, uh, the city of the shopping center. We already had a relationship with the incoming tenant. Uh, and so we were able to make some phone calls and kind of navigate of, okay, what are their hard dates? How can we accommodate that? We kind of, we shifted that to be like a hybrid turnover. right? Uh, so we were still completing some of the landlord work and allowed the tenant to come in and complete their work so they could still make the opening date. Oh, great. What are some of the
0: challenges that you're facing out there right now that you guys you guys have been seeing maybe on a regular basis or something new that maybe we could have the listeners uh, hear about?
1: Yeah, I mean we we say time kills all deals, right? It's still true. Yeah, and it just seems that everything is taking more time uh, and more effort, more man more man hours and more touch points to get the same amount of work done. Yet, we're all trying to operate with on lower margins and try to figure out how we squeeze more juice out of the orange.
0: right. And have costs been an issue um, with you guys and on, on any of the projects that you have to come?'ve I've seen this a couple times already where we've done deals with a developer and they've come back to the table because the project takes a certain amount of time, let's say, to get entitlements and then they rebid. And they're like, um, our deal doesn't pencil anymore, so we got to come back to the table. So, have you guys? How many times you guys sharpen your pencils for these, you know, landlords to kind of make these deals work?
1: Yeah, I mean, the price is fluid in the market; it, it's subject to supply and demand. Yep. Um, and what we've dealt with some with some of the material escalations, and again, we can deal we can deal with anything as long as we know what we're up against. Right. Uh, and so, as soon as we know about those things, we can begin planning for them. Uh, The problem becomes when we try to, you know, when things change and we're the last to know, that's obviously a surprise to anybody. Yeah. Uh,
0: But that's going across the board anyway. So that's good. You can mitigate
1: that. Yeah. Coming back to your question about, well, how do we do that process? And I mean, our goal is to give uh, best price first time. Right. And we are we tell our clients and our developers, we'll tell you what the market pulse is today. Right. Uh, and we'll get that data from our subs. What it's going to be, we can project what we can see on the horizon, right. uh, based on hey, if I know your pre your pre plan check, and I can expect out we're going to be six months from permits, and I can, I can see about that far. I can't really see much further than that always. Right. Uh, and I always say this is what the price is today, right. uh, and I let the client allocate how much risk they think. And I mean, they we all watch the stock market, and the futures, yeah. and. and carry different uh, proclivity to risk on. Some people think it's going to go up. Some people think, hey, recession is coming. You yeah. know, if I sit on this project for six months or a year, I can save 20%. Right. Uh, I would say his, historically, the statistics don't don't justify that, right? Uh, and so we have, you know, I even have clients now saying, hey, I'm looking and lumber is down on the futures. And so, hey, is my framing numbers should come down on my project, right? They say, yeah, well... Doesn't quite work that way because when you go to Home Depot, the two dollar and thirty cents stud is now is was up at six fifty and now it's down to five fifty. Right. So it went up and it, and but all the costs to bring it from the from the raw commodity to the to the store shelf right. are have grown, and so I think that's just part of yeah, absorbing. People that. forget that
0: <laughs> the tree doesn't grow at Home
1: Depot; <laughs> it has to get there somehow.
0: But, yeah, and then there's also the timing of it because, like, sometimes you'll see the price goes down, but then it's like it doesn't take effect for a certain time after that. So it's not in real time. Like, all right, you know, while we're building, our construction costs are going down as we're hammering the nails.
1: <laughs> and we had these, yeah, and I'm sure you had these deals, too, where we priced them out with they're ready to go. Uh, then they don't pencil. And yeah. so you go back, and in some cases, get more rent for them. Yeah. But then by the time you get more rent, uh, okay, we're now we're ready to go. And now we're at a point where now now the, will the deal underwrite. And so then the lending delay. And then by the time, right. it just kind of ke- seems like we keep getting bounced around. Yeah. And, and then every time, the price goes up, the this and that. And it's just like you're trying to chase a moving target as a developer.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting time. Um, I think... The people who are deal makers and, um, you know, know what they want to do um, are getting through it. You know, they're navigating it. I think the smaller guys are the ones who are kind of just sitting on the sidelines or kind of being a little uh, cautious about what they're doing. So,
1: And I think the guys who are building great partnerships and, and have trust in their in their partners are the ones who are getting stuff done. We're still saying like, well, I want, you know, give me a hard, hard number price. Right. Well, you know, if I do that, I got to carry more risk, and so I got to pad my right. It's all risk versus reward. Yeah. Uh, versus, we have clients who say, "Hey, look, you know, here's the target. Here's the good, better, best we'd like to be, uh, but we understand we got to kick off this thing and get going. Uh, and we're able to fine tune that. And for those clients, we're really able to go out and be a buyer advocate and sh- and shop the su- the subcontractor market. You know, when the job is ready to build, the right sub that. You know, most of our our subs are all small and medium sized businesses, uh, and again, their pricing structure is based on supply and demand. So, the best thing—it's hard for my sub to price out necessarily a job six months from now. Right. But if I they, if if I need it in in a, in a month or two months, they can they understand their their ability and they can they can usually either tell us they don't have the resources to do it or can get aggressive on their pricing structure. Yeah. When it comes to these cities and the
0: municipalities, what advice can you give to some of the listeners when they're dealing with them um, early on, you know, what it, what's your guidance on that? You guys you guys do expediter work too or is that is that so something for, you guys outsource?
1: Oh, no, we do it in-house for okay, cuz we cool. want to have control over yeah. that.
0: Okay, so what's what's like give us a tip. Like what, what's the best way to handle some of these cities and what do you, what's your advice? You don't have to give your secret sauce if you don't want to.
1: There's there's not really a secret sauce. It's I mean it's get there early and often. Uh, get the city as involved as, as you can as they allow you to l- let them be as early as we can. A lot of times we do pre-development meetings and those things. Yeah. And then just stay consistent. You know, when, when we have a meeting with the city and then they don't hear from us for four months because we're trying to make a transaction, we come back to them and all of a sudden we're like, hurry up, hurry up. So we have a tendency of just keeping checking in with them and, hey, but this deal's coming. We expect to be, we're in construction. We're in conceptual drawings now. We expect to have CD submission at this date, uh, and so when we when we do that, we say the best way to build trust is to make commitments and keep commitments. Mm-hmm. And so the earlier that we can build trust with not just the agency but the people that the individual department people that are working behind the counter, right what we found is that yields when we need something we need a we need a fee letter we need something out within a you know a time frame that we've already got that trust built with them
0: yeah and um, throughout the year you guys are obviously kind of building your relationships with these different cities you know a trade organization like trade events and things like that and kind of just solidifying those relationships so you guys are ahead of the curve you know on that I'm, I'm guessing too
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, we work with the economic development departments and then even more so the planning uh, and then even the building officials. And, you know, yeah. I think we, what we've seen is, uh, at least in the markets that we work in, like these cities want to see us bring this product right. to their market. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the uh, the old adage of uh, hey, that the cities are resistant and that, you know, they're difficult isn't isn't a really a practical expectation. I think that comes from people who don't understand how to navigate and uh, don't understand the challenges that the other, the person on the other side of the of the counter is working over. So the more that we can understand what they're up against, help anticipate that and give them the tools they need to do their job. Yeah. Uh, the more successful we can all be together.
0: Yeah. I need to get someone from a city on this show. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, we always talk about them and I would love to hear their side. So I think I'm going to work on that. <laughs> um, can you give us some details on what projects you're working on right now? Like just, uh, you know, an overall, like what's what are you currently doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we we, we have several different revenue streams um, and so we do public works. Uh, so we've got a couple public works projects going on. Mostly TI's for San Bernardino Community College. or okay. uh, We're doing a project with RTA uh, mm-hmm. where they're doing a Vine Mobility Center in downtown Riverside. Nice. Uh, that we get to be a part of that project, which is really a neat project. Uh, on the private side, right now we're doing uh, some... You could give me your favorite.
0: <laughs> but there are no favorites.
1: <laughs> uh, my favorite ones are one, the ones that make the most money.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh,
1: now we've done, uh, I mean, we're all the way up in from Palmdale right now, finishing, uh, built a suit. Wow. Uh, we did the, it was a municipal TI deal that we did all the landlord representation on. And you guys are primarily in, in SoCal, right? Like just,
0: that's where your grasp is.
1: Yeah, so. For now. No, you know, we really just want to be Southern California guys. We think there's enough work in our backyard to keep us busy here. Uh, And we really believe in our market concentration. So even being based at a Rancho Cucamonga, honestly, we prefer east of downtown than west of downtown. Yeah. Uh, and so we say out a Rancho Cucamonga, our target is a 30-mile radius. Mm-hmm. Uh, our actual is a 60. You know, right. South Orange County, San Gabriel Valley have kept us in business. Uh, and But we're, you know, we're fortunate to see that a lot of our projects right now are Inland Empire. Right. Riverside, San Bernardino, Upland, Ontario, uh, yeah. Victorville. So, I mean, we're all over, but.
0: I think everybody's working out there right now including me (laughs) it's really busy out there so it's a good thing my last question to you if there's like a dream gig for you to do you know what would it be you know in your industry like if there's a dream client or something like that you know let's put it out there see what happens
1: well I have to say because they were in our backyard we've been trying to get Lewis companies for the longest time
0: okay Ken will listen to this Ken are you listening maybe you should have a conversation here
1: (laughs) Uh, and, and from what I have experienced from them, I think our values and their values are a lot of, a lot of fit, uh, where we're both just trying to, you know, get a lot get, put a great product out there with a great customer service component.
0: Yeah. They're a great company. I've loved doing deals with them. Great people over there. And, you know, they're very, very, uh, Dug in deep in the Inland Empire. So you're going to run into them whether you like it or not.
1: I mean, if I get to throw out my wish list too, I think I'll go uh, with In and Out. Obviously, I think we all in this industry want to work with In and Out at some point and see them as a staple.
0: Yeah, that'll be cool too. Yeah.
1: Well, awesome, man. It sounds like you guys are on the right track and I wish you guys the
0: best on that. This next segment that I have in my show is where my daughter comes on and she asks some questions so we could get to know you a little bit better. So this is Alessandra wants
1: to know. Here's the first question. What are some of your hobbies? Wow. Uh, be, my hobbies are being with my family and my kids. Uh, and I would say we we do a lot together. We're kind of our own tribe. Yeah. Uh, and most of our hobbies out, revolve around doing anything outdoors. Oh, cool. Jeeping, fishing, nice. uh, RVing, just any kind of travel, any opportunity we have to be outside together yeah is is what we're doing that's awesome and they're all outdoor
0: they're all good with the outdoors we're bougie outdoor people okay so we're glamping more than we're camping absolutely glamping (laughs) (laughs) and
1: you know we instead of we'd rather take a jeep ride than take a hike that's me man
0: yeah well i try to hike just for the workout but yeah i i I have always wanted to go out in the outdoors but i'm just i I need the glamping side
1: of it and anything with water too, Yeah. Uh, whether it's even the swimming pool in the backyard, the lake, the ocean, we just we want to be on the water.
0: That's awesome. Let's hear the next question.
1: Do you have a favorite sports team? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I would say uh, USC Trojans for football. Nice. Uh, we, li- we like to go to the games. My brother and we take the boys and just have a good time. Enjoy the culture.
0: Nice. And... Yeah. Um, did you play sports when you were growing up?
1: I did. I played hockey growing up. No way.
0: Yeah. That's cool. So,
1: we still like to go to hockey games and whether that's the Ontario the Ontario Reign or the Anaheim Ducks, Yeah. Know, when, when we before kids when we had lots of time on our hands, we go to lots of Ducks games yeah, and those I don't know things. what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I feel you on that. Let's hear the next question. What is your favorite food? What is my favorite food? I think anything that's in front of me. I I mean, It's <laughs> a good answer. <laughs> Uh I i mean I gotta plug in and out here. I mean that's our that's our family favorite. Anytime that we have kids have a choice of where do you want to go, it's always in and out. My six year old, she's on a in and out trip right now. Every week. She's like,
0: In and out can we go to In and Out? Can we go to In and Out? Like you can't have that every day. But we will go. <laughs> so that's cool.
1: And here's the last question. If you can live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Hmm. That's a great question. I think, I mean, I love Southern California. Born and raised here. We have the best weather. Yeah. Um, I love to live here and I love to travel and go experience other places. But it always seems like most of the time I'm ready to come home. So.
0: That's good. A lot of people answer where they live right now. We've had a few, you know, who want to get out of here. But um, the majority answers have been right here.
1: I think they already left. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The, The ones that are still here are the true believers. Yeah.
0: Well, I I appreciate you guys coming out. I know it's a long drive, and I know you guys are busy. Um, We'll go ahead and kind of provide people um, your information on how to reach you. Uh, What's your best way of contact? Is that a cell phone, an email? And we'll put it in the show notes as well. But if there's something you want to plug in right now, go ahead and do it.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Our website is birdgroupconstruction.com. Uh, And I'll give out my personal cell phone or my business number is 909-478-4130. Nice.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate it again, and uh, I look forward to working with you in the future.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having us, Mike. This is great and really excited.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks. Just a reminder, please take the time to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It's greatly appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hotspotting Podcast. If any listeners have any questions or topics they would like to hear on the show, or if you simply want to connect, you can email me at mike at hotspotproperties.net. Once again, thank you for listening. It's been great.